Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. Thank you, Jim Nance. And we've got Padraig Harrington, the Ryder Cup captain for the European team on this week. He's one of the great characters in golf, the Irishman. Um, he's been awesome. I've, I think I met him in 2013 at the Players' Championship. We talked about majors and how much he relishes playing in them. So we get to so much about majors, but also the Ryder Cup here. He talks about his regrets in golf. Uh, he's 49. He's going to be 50 here with the Champions Tour coming up, PJ Tour Champions. Uh, but yes, so much focus on the Ryder Cup because he's the captain of the European team. What's that going to look like? He's only going to have three picks compared to six for Steve Stricker. So we pick his brain a little bit about the Ryder Cup. How can you not? And uh, I have a quick Padraig story uh, before we're done with this at the end. But you can watch this interview on YouTube. He was actually in his house, in his little studio, where he's got a net set up to where hitting balls. And he was sitting on a medicine ball. I mean, this guy, age 49, is not giving up. He's working out all the time. He's practicing. So he has a ton of tips for us at the back end of this podcast. Stuff with the swing, little things, how we can get better as amateurs, 80-yard uh, shots, the long bunker shot, you name it. This guy's got it for us. So, Padraig Harrington. Uh, but, again, check out YouTube.com and the Beyond the Clubhouse page. And it's got the video of Padraig showing us so many really good tips um, and how we can get better right now. So, anyway, let's get to Padraig Harrington. Before we do Encore Golf, check them out. I've been using their Vero X1 Golf Ball. I love it. It's at about 10, 15 yards off the tee for me, which has been huge. Yeah, basically, it's perimeter-weighted technology. It maximizes the moment of inertia. That's really the key with the Vero X1. Check them out, EncoreGolf.com. And then also you can use my promo code, Beyond the Clubhouse, B. The letter B is in Bravo, Clubhouse. Gets you 10% off. These golf balls, Vero X1, the Avant 55, and the Elixir, EncoreGolf.com. All right, let's get to Padraig Harrington here on Beyond the Clubhouse. We've got PGA Championship this week. He talks about Kiowa Island. He's got some good memories there in the past with his countryman, Paul McGinley. Very pleased to be joined by my next guest, six-time Ryder Cup player, Padraig Harrington, of course, he's three-time major winner as well. Padraig, what's going on in Ireland? How are you? Yeah, it's uh, well, strange times, I suppose, in Ireland at the moment. We're still, uh, still, I'm pretty much on lockdown. If I take off my hat, you can see that <laughs> I, I'm, I'm in badly need of a haircut, and that will be my first point of call when I get to the states. Is uh, get a bit of a cut. The barbers aren't open here yet, uh, so yeah, it's it. it, it the weather's kind of turned. It's got a little nicer. You know, it's May here. So the golf course has just opened up again in terms of being open for COVID. Obviously, they're open all year here. Uh, but uh, so people are back out the course. The weather's decent, back out practicing. It's, it's kind of, it's strange, but it's kind of nice for us golfers that we're, we're back out there and, and the, the summer to look forward to. Yeah. Well, speaking of being back out there, you were out there in the States for 80 straight days. And, of course, you've you got your dog at home, Wilson. Like, how did he handle that? Uh, he's like all dogs. He, he, whoever's feeding him is the one he likes the most. So, uh, 
Uh, I'm sure he didn't miss me too much, but my uh, I hope my wife and kids miss me. Uh, I suppose I hope Wilson missed me. But yeah, it was 80 days is the longest run I've ever been away for. I, and I have done some long runs. Back when I was a kid, I would have gone, not in a kid when I started out, I might have gone, I think I went 10 weeks, but my, my wife traveled with me sort of thing. Now, on my own, I did two weeks in the Middle East and eight weeks, 11, no, two weeks in the Middle East and nine weeks in the States. So it was... It was a long, long trip. And by the end of it, I did really want to get home. It, it, it's strange. In the middle of it, it was okay. Yeah. Even, even all the way up onto the second, second last week, it was fine. But when I got to the last week, I just wanted to go. You know, you know, you, <laughs> you know the finish line is so close. You just want to get go. And how do you stay connected to your family there? You know, your Patrick and, and, and the others. Uh, look, it's, it's, well, it is easy. Uh, you know, back at, when I started out, it was pay phones and collect calls and that sort of stuff back in 90, 96, 95, when I was at tour school, I can remember ringing home every night from the pay phone and finding the coins to do it. <laughs> uh, now, you know, it's amazing it's gone full circle because when, you know, around 2000, we'd be traveling to countries where it'd be three or four euros an hour to use your phone, or a minute to use your phone. So it was like incredibly expensive and, and a big deal. Like, you know, it'd be, couple of hundred euros to make a phone call uh, whereas now everything is free so you just get in FaceTime ring home you can see the family you can see the dog Wilson uh, you know you can do it you know you, you're ringing several times a day so you don't miss out now I do have two teenage kids so anybody who has teenage kids they'll know that it doesn't matter they're not going to get much on the much time on FaceTime or any talk time out of them so uh, you know it's a Hello, I want to get back to my game. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just the parent on the side. You just got to go with it, huh? Look, that's the way of the world, isn't it? That's, that's, that's it. Uh, we were pretty good. It, you know, it's a lot easier once you're a successful professional golfer. It's easier because you can bring your family with you when you're going places. And it's, you know, it's, it's nice for them to go. They're traveling well. They're traveling, you know, hotels are good. It's really difficult for, I won't say an average, but certainly even like a good, slightly below average pro, certainly a struggling pro, it's very difficult to be on the road if he's got a, you know, a wife and kids or a partner and kids at home uh, because, you know, you can't afford to bring them. Or like if you've got a young baby, you can't afford to get a second room. That sort of thing mm. is tough. But it's okay at the top. There's no doubt about it. So. Uh, I, I don't think anybody should feel sorry for me for being away 80 days, but there are, there's definitely, I, I see it with some of the younger pros. Now, if you're young, free and single, so what else would you be doing but out there playing golf? I, I, you know, if you're young, free and single, you play 40 weeks a year. Uh, it's kind of crazy now that the, the young lads seem to think, and, and this came from Tiger, that you know, 20, 20 tournaments a year is, is what you should play. When I came out on tour, everybody played between 28 and 32 events. Everybody. Yeah. You know, it, it was Tiger was the first person who whittled that down. Uh, and, and I know other people are trying to seem to think that's the role, I suppose, the model, but it really wasn't Tiger. Tiger was unique that he could play. He could come out cold into an event, not having played two or three weeks, and come out and play his very best, whereas... Most people need to be out on the golf course competing and playing in order to get the best out of the game. So, like for me, it takes me nearly the third week is normally my best week. Yeah. Well, speaking of competing and playing, the all-time European Tour winner, uh, Sevi Ballesteros, here we are. It's May. It's already 
May of 2021, and it's 10 years since he's passed. It's hard to believe. Um, but what did you make of, of, of what he meant to what Team Europe is or was in the past and is today? He still he still means an awful lot to the Ryder Cup and, and Europe in, in terms of the Ryder Cup. He's still very much, well, I suppose, the iconic figure of leading the team. You know, there will be plenty of pictures of him around our team, and that he he will still be used as as an inspirational figure. Uh, it is interesting that you know he brought us a long way. You're back in the eighties, uh, European struggled to be given access uh, to the majors, access to the bigger events in the world. And the Ryder Cup was very much the way that Europe proved itself. And Seve led that. You know, it was, it was a big deal to go, if we can beat the US in the Ryder Cup, well, we deserve a bigger, a bigger cut in the pie. We deserve more places in the majors. We deserve, you know, more say in the, in the world rankings. We, we, it, was, it was all about that. Seve led the way. And it was very much because of the fact that Seve felt he wasn't given the access uh, or, or, or he struggled to get the access that, a player of his stature should have got. Uh, and now we, we do because of Seve and the others. You know, Seve, Sandy Lyle, Bernard Langer, Woozy. Uh, I hope I haven't forgot any back uh, in the 80s. You yes, know, who led Sandy the way. Sandy Lyle, yeah. Woozy. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it was, it, it, there's no doubt Seve had the passion for that. And he really wanted to, to, to prove his point. And, you know, if you know, he's famous for going up against the... Uh, uh, Mr. Beeman on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, look, that's that's the way it was. And he certainly is still an inspiration today, even though I don't think the Ryder Cup is as much... It's not It's not as much them and us anymore. You know, the both yeah. sets of teams are very familiar with each other. We Because of what Seve led the way, we actually all know each other. We play in the same tournaments most of the year. Uh, you know, so the, it, it's strange. It's 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 harder to you know when you know somebody, you can't turn around and say, oh, you know, fight against them. We don't like them. They're different, but we know each other. So uh, you know, we we're we're friends. So that that sort of acrimony wouldn't be there now between the teams. So, like when I played in '99, my first one, there was players on the US team I'd never met. Yeah, yeah, like that's that's unthinkable now. As in everybody is well we know each other very well and 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 you see the players will play very tough on the golf course and i i would certainly advocate for you know good good great matches you know real passionate matches but on sunday night everybody is is friends you know they shake hands and move on you know they know that they're going to be playing and paired up with each other in tournaments going forward so there's there's none of of them and us as there would have been back in the day Mm. In the past, yeah. Well, speaking of the Ryder Cup, obviously you have um, the the American side here with all the, res- the restrictions of coming to America for European Tour fans. You're expecting, you said in your blog, that you're expecting there to be even more of a American home advantage this time. So how how will that help or hurt the team, do you think, your, your European team? Uh, obviously, there's going to be a fair amount of Europeans who travel from the U.S. who are based in the U.S., uh, and I think one of the things I would also say is the U.S. fans who travel to the Ryder Cup, many of them will be fans of European players in week in, week out. So I, I would assume under these times, and I would hope that they support their team as passionately as ever. Really, we, we all want to have a great atmosphere at the Ryder Cup. We all want to hear the noise. We want the excitement. 
So I, I would certainly be one to say to every US fan, go out there and, you know, scream and shout and really enjoy supporting your home team. But it is golf after all. So, you know, the time, there's a time and place you do that with your team and then let the Europeans have a go and we'll see how it goes. You know, you know there, there really isn't a thing in golf. It's kind of opposite to other sports. You support your team and you let the other team play. You don't kind of get... You know, and I don't see it happening with COVID and everything this year. I think people are going to be there to have a good time. I don't, I, I, there isn't that same acrimony about the matches as there would have been 20, 30 years ago. It, it, it is played in a better spirit. Uh, but we certainly, we certainly want the loud and vocal crowd. You know, we want the excitement. The, remember, the players are playing, we, we're playing for the, the, I suppose, for the, how would you put this? We're playing for the joy of playing for your country. We're playing for the excitement. We're playing for the buzz of it. So we 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 nobody wants it not to be passionate and excited. So uh, let just let's hope it's done in the right spirit, which I assume it will be. You know, there's no reason why it wouldn't. And I, and I, I expect this time round, uh, you know, in the strange times that we are, it will probably be a, a very sporting occasion. Yes. Oh, I'd imagine. Yeah. In these times um, for you though, what's been the biggest surprise in your preparation for this team? And um, how do you feel the team's coming together thus far? We're still a couple months out, a few months out. <laughs> the biggest surprise is being COVID. Obviously nobody, nobody realized it would be delayed a year. Uh, yeah. Crazy times as regards how it affected my, my preparations. Well, the administration stuff was easier, you know, cause we had more time. I think, the team-wise has been a little bit tougher. You know, normally we'd have team dinners, you know, where we'd all get together at events and we obviously can't do that. Uh, you know, normally you'd be out there more and, and, and being able to have individual dinners and mix more. But again, that hasn't been possible. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a little bit awkward in that sense of just getting together. But I do, I do, I don't, I don't think there's plenty of time, as in it's not something that, you know, uh, you know, we've got nearly five months left, so it's not like it. It isn't. It, it it just hasn't been as seamless as maybe it would be if, if there was no such thing as COVID. Mm. Well, during Ryder Cup weeks, I know as a player, as a six-time player, and then a, a vice captain, 2014, 2016, 2018. Uh, what is sleep like during a week of a Ryder Cup for Patty? It's okay when you're the vice captain. I can tell you that. <laughs> uh, for the player. Yeah, the player's always tired. At least I was always tired at Ryder Cup. You, 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 you're pretty stressed because you've, you've long days on the golf course. You're trying to squeeze in some practice and then you have media and some uh, social functions to do. You've got team meetings. You've got things you've got to do and, and it, it does stretch out the day. By the time you get to bed, you're tired. And I, I think, I certainly remember sleeping was not an issue for me when it came to the Ryder Cup. But I, I will say, it is very important for the players, and you look back at this, I know I would have made this mistake, not to uh, overextend themselves the week of a Ryder Cup because there is a lot more stress and pressure than a, than a regular week. Mm. How has your evaluation of players been going to this point? Uh, pretty good. That, that's easy. We've got stats. We've got, we've got all sorts of things. We've got profiles. You know, We really know. It, that's, that's very simple on the outside looking in and, and, and being able to look at styles of player. And, and you know, I, I know the US have six picks, so there, there's, a, there's obviously a lot up in the air 
with who they're, you know, when they go to finalise their team, who could be in and who isn't. My team, with I've got nine, nine qualify automatically. That's a very strong nine at the moment, as in it's unlikely to change. And then I have three picks. And when you have three picks, it really does narrow down how many potentially could get into the team. So I, I have a much tighter grouping of, of really who could be in my team. And it's a lot easier, even this far out, to start looking at partnerships and pairings, uh, you know, there might be somebody who, who who's not absolutely on the radar, you know, but it's unlikely that I, I could, I, you know, it's hard to say that I couldn't be very close to picking at least 10, if not 11 of my team already. You know, they would be pretty obvious uh, with just the way the, the way the system works. So, it, it, as I said, there's not huge room for maybe one player to play his way into the top nine. And, and as I said, with three picks, it really does. There might be four or five players in contention for those three picks, maybe six. So it's, it's easier to, for, to, to sort of look into the future and say, well, this is what we need in terms of forces and four ball. Yeah. And, and how everyone complements each other. Um, what, what about the, the older superstars? There's some that aren't qualified for the team yet. Does that surprise you at all? No, it's, you know, it's it's going to be three years since the last Ryder Cup. So you always have a change and the old guys move on and new guys come in. Uh, the one thing we know in Europe is rookies have always been very good in the Ryder Cup. Uh, they've played great and they bring something special to the team. And, the, you know, the, the older guys who are in the team will need the enthusiasm that the, the younger guys bring. Uh, so, yeah, you're looking for a good mix. Uh, I, I don't see any more natural attrition than there is most Ryder Cups. There would be a, a couple of old guys who are, you know, nearly good enough, like myself in 2012, you know, you're, 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 you, you make the last team, you don't make, the year you don't make a team, it's not like you've just disappeared, you just weren't quite there and there'll be one or two like that this time around for sure. Uh, I do notice though that some of those old guys are starting to put a bit of a, a bit of a move on and starting to play well. Uh, yeah, that's that has been interesting. The experienced guys that you know, if you picked a team maybe six months ago or a year ago, you know, looked like they definitely weren't in with a chance. Have now started moving on and coming good, and uh, it would be interesting come September when I do make the final picks, uh, how many of those experienced guys have have come back into the form? Because I, if I'm talking to them, they are very focused on making the team. Yes, as they should be. Um, you've been a part of four winning Ryder Cup teams as a player. Um, what, what has been your favorite memory there uh, at Ryder Cup there? A lot of good memories. Uh, you know, 99 where we lost was incredibly exciting. Your first Ryder Cup, everything about it. I played very well that week. Uh, I won my singles on the Sunday and it looked like that was going to be the pivotal match. Certainly the way the crowd swelled around the match against I was playing Mark Amir and the way they were talking, it was like my match was going to make the difference. And when I won, we actually thought, not that I'd hold the winning putt, but we thought that it made the difference. And obviously that was taken away very quickly when Justin Leonard held that putt in 17, about 10 minutes after I finished. Uh, so yeah, but it was incredibly exciting and nerve wracking. Uh, everyone, the winning, winning in 2002, uh, you know, it was a big deal to come back with the win after 99. And, and, and that was a very important one for Europe because we'd won in 97. We had a good team in 99. 
if we lost in 2002, it would have broken maybe the spirit of a young team that went on to win quite a few Ryder Cups. Uh, so it was a big win to win there. Mm. Them winning in the US 90, in 2000, they were, they were all good. 2004 with Bernard Langer, that was brilliant. Winning in the, strangely winning in Ireland in 2006 was nice. We won so easy. You know, it was just nice. It wasn't, you know, if, if, you, if you win by holding the put in the final green team-wise and there wasn't the drama in the K-Club. We just, it was, I, I was, I was stressed as an Irish person that would go well. And we had bad weather that week, which was, it was very, but we got it done. And I just remember just feeling relieved rather than anything else winning in the, in the K-Club. Uh, I did get to crowd surf there, which was, that's, that's a highlight. Yeah. In the, the tented village, I went into the tented village going back on the Sunday evening and the crowd picked me up, put them, put me over their heads and passed me around. Myself and David Howells. So that that was a that was my one and only time, and certainly uh, I will put that down as a as, as a lifetime ambition and highlight. And what did that feel like though in those moments? Yeah, you lose your shoe, you lose this, you lose <laughs> that. There's, there's lots of souvenirs that go go away, but that that was something I had the opportunity. I I thought about in 2004. We were in a bar. Uh, an Irish bar and, and it was jammed and you know I was standing on the bar and thinking God this would be a good opportunity but I didn't go for it so it happened nice and organically in 2006 and as I said it is uh, one of those things you go yeah it's pretty nice to be crowd surfing and 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 be the center of attention if you know what I mean the, the way the crowd was cheering and going on so yeah that was a, a special moment for sure uh, yeah lots of good lots of good memories winning 2010 I think winning as a vice captain with Paul McGinley in 2014 was 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 really good, uh, just because it meant so much to Paul. I think that was a, a, a big highlight. Uh, I probably learned the most losing with Darren Clark in 2016. Mm. Yeah, that 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 was just a tough week. Everything went against us. We we seemed to be always behind the eight ball, always scrambling. Uh, and, and you know when you look back at it too, like we felt like we were always fighting, scrambling, trying to get back, trying to recover. Uh, you know, it, it, it was really difficult. But when you kind of look back at it, you go, wow, it's just difficult to beat the U.S. team on a hazel, hazel team type golf course. That was a great team in playing in the conditions that really suited them. And, you know, as much as we, we might look back and say, I wish we did something different. I do actually think they just had a great team that beat that week, and it would be. I I I'd hate to be going up against the US on a like in a Hazeltine or a, or the Miracle of Medina or mm. uh, you know Valhalla. These are golf courses. You know, if the course is set up like those ones, it's just you know it's just tough for us to beat it on those traditional US golf courses. Yeah. Well, uh, a U.S. golf course you're about to get to, Keough Island. You tied for 18th there in 2012. Um, what do you expect from that course? What do you remember about the characteristics of that course, Kiwa? I Well, I won the, the World Cup there in 97 with Paul McGinley, so I, I have fond memories of it. I've played it a few times. I, I really like the golf course. Uh, I know I tied, I think I was very, I was near, I was, I think I was close, if not second, or very close to second place with nine holes to go. Uh, that time I did panic on my last nine holes coming home. I remember uh, I had that horrible sinking feeling you get in the golf course every now and again that the clubhouse just couldn't come quick enough. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's a horrible feeling. It really, there's nothing worse than when you're on the golf course and you just can't get to the clubhouse quick enough. Uh, you know, just, just, that was one of those. It happens to all of us. It's amazing. You know, you just, you just can't get, you just can't get in quick enough. You know, you, you know, as every hole goes on, it, it ain't getting any better. Uh, so that that was yeah, but I liked the venue. I liked the golf course. I really liked the golf course. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's two weeks, and I haven't as you, I, I haven't played a major now in in over two years. Uh, as you said open but, championship, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I, I, I'm startled by that. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I play next week at the Byron Nelson, and it's quite important for me to show. If I'm going to play well at the PGA, I'm not a player. I, as I said, I'm the opposite of Tiger. Tiger was able to turn up and have t- plenty of time off and turn up and play his best golf. I need to play myself into form. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at the Byron Nelson next week and hoping to hit the ground running, show a bit of form, ideally get yourself into contention and feel a little bit of nerves so that, you know, when you get there in, in, in the PGA, if you start feeling nervous, it's nothing better than, you know, having experienced it the week or two before. How do you get to TPC Craig Ranch? I mean, I imagine you, have you, you've never played that course, right? Because it's a new one, right? No. Nope. How does Patty prepare for a brand new golf course? Uh, well, how do I get there? I have no idea. That's somebody <laughs> else's responsibility. What, one of my best, you know, people ask me about my personality. I managed to travel to an event, obviously in a foreign country, and didn't know what airport I landed in. I didn't know what city I was in, as in I was traveling, and I traveled pretty much now full time with my caddy. I was traveling at that stage with with, with my wife, uh, and between myself and a caddy, my caddy Ronan, it nearly is, it's like a running competition for who will pay attention the (laughs) least, or or who will break, like we we get to an, an airport and like, it's like who's going to be the last one to actually look at the monitor and check something because we both sit there waiting for the other person to, to be the responsible one. And I, and I certainly, when my wife is traveling, I just go when I'm told to go. And I've, I have managed to go to an event. like I, it, was, it was actually in Germany. I have I landed in a city, uh, could have been like a big city like Frankfurt or somewhere like that, and I had no idea. When somebody asked me at the event, I, I, said, eh, I have no idea where I flew into or what. So, yeah, I, I, I'm good at delegating that. I don't get stressed by travel. So, I, I, you know, I know I'll get there. I, I travel out on Sunday. I, I know if I don't get there on Sunday, I get there Monday at the end of the world. You know, there's always another flight. Uh, so, as regards preparation on the golf course, you know, the, the yardage books are so good these days. Uh, you, can, you can nearly play the courses blind. Uh, and they do change, remember... They, I, I, there's no substitute for playing a competition on a golf course, but practice rounds, yeah, they're they're important. But we follow each other. We follow other pros. Like if you haven't played the golf course, you're watching what everybody's doing. You're getting an, yeah. an idea first. You know, and if you're standing on a hole and you, and even if you're first off and you've got driver in your hand and you happen to notice that your two playing partners have got a three wood or an iron, you do go, hang on a second here. If I don't know this hole, now it, clearly if you know it. You, you, you proceed with your own strategy. But if, if somebody's using a different strategy on a hole you don't know, 
even if you're first up, you're going to second guess that strategy and go, hang on a second, have we got this right? Are we doing, have I got the right target here? And, and the truth of it, if I can't make it to a golf course to play a practice round, which has happened once or twice, you know, it'd be unusual that I wouldn't have sent my caddy ahead to have, you know, done the whole golf course. And, and the caddies, when they're out in the course, they don't just walk the golf course. They walk it when other people are playing it. So they, yeah. they, they, they'll actually, usually what I often have, they'll go and walk the nearly 18 holes with a, a, a friend of theirs who's caddying for a player and actually do the whole round with that player and see how they played the golf course. Because like most important thing, I got cut out this year because I played uh, uh, LA this year, Riviera, the Genesis. And because of COVID, I had no practice rounds. And what stumped me actually was the firmness of the greens. I just, you know, through the first nine holes, I, I think I landed on seven greens and only managed to hit two greens in regulation. I might have landed on all nine of them or something. It was ridiculous. I just kept bouncing through. And I just, it doesn't matter how much you tell yourself, it takes a while just to get that. This thing is going to, you know, take a 10, 15 yard skip forward. Uh, so you have to get used to that a little bit in practice rounds, but a lot of golf courses, you know, you can get away with it and, and, and just play it reasonably blind. Yeah. Well, you've won three major championships. Um, you've, you've been a big part of others. Um, what's the biggest regret of your career at this point at age 49, <laughs> Patty? You're going to be 50 in, in August. You know, people ask me and, and, and there's no doubts I've made plenty of mistakes over the years, I, I've, uh, you know, and I, 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 and I have made mistakes, but I don't regret them. You know, whatever I've done, I've enjoyed doing. And, and yeah, I would tell somebody to do it different in different places and that, but it's made me who I am. So I don't have a regret. As regards individual shots, if you're asking me which ones I take back, uh, I hit it in the bunker on the last hole in 2002 at Muirfield at the Open Championship. I, I, I was trying to make birdie. As it turned out, par would have got me in the playoff. Uh, I learned a lot from that. Uh, but, you know, certainly, yeah, par would have been in the playoff, which was, you know, a big deal. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in the playoff. 2006, I had three pars to win at Wingfoot, as it turned out. And I did pretty much similar thing. I bogeyed the 16th and panicked a bit, thinking... I needed to make birdies coming home, but clearly two more pars would have got me in the playoff. Uh, so, again, like I had a put in the last green to get in the playoff. Uh, so, yeah. So, you know, you look at things like that in hindsight, but every time you do it, you learn from it. And those experiences definitely helped me win in Carnoustie, definitely helped me win my three majors. Uh, yeah, you know, the other ones, like, I look back at 2012, uh, Olympic club. Mm. I think I had to birdie the last for a playoff. Uh, and I San was, my yeah. Wedge, yeah, my wedge play was great. And I, I actually made, made bogey. But what was strange about that for that week, I had the yips. I, I had two four puts in that week. Uh, and like, I, I, I like I had two four puts and I, and I had to make three down the last to be in a playoff from the fairway. So, you know, you, 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 people you just don't realize how everybody's tournaments and, and I'm sure like I could sit here and say well you know a birdie down there would have done X Y but maybe somebody would have done something different if I did that but there's probably four or five players who would go away from each tournament and go 
hang on a second, if this had it turned my way, it could have been my winning week. Uh, the key is that the winner, he took his chance. Uh, you know, that's what that when you win a tournament, it really is you took your chance. Very rarely is it as as clean as people would like to think that the the guy who won is the best player that week. No, he took his chances. He he was the one who 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 you know at the right time was brave enough to hit the right shot. But there's always four or five guys that will walk away and go, I played well enough. If only I had done X, Y, or Z, uh, things would have been different. Yeah. Well, as we wrap up, I do want to have you grab a club here. You're in your studio there. You're, you're hitting range. I would love to get a little tip on um, short wedge shots. Think about the amateur at home. You know, maybe they go for broken. They had a big drive on a par four, and all of a sudden they've got 73 yards in, right? And they're like, wait a minute. I'm not used to this distance. Short wedge shots. Okay. Uh, let me see. I've got to get myself a glove for this. Okay. I have a glove. I have an old glove. I, one sec. I'm just going to grab a, grab a glove to do this nicely for you. I hear you. I appreciate it, Patty. It's very nice, you know, when you when you've got all these nice. I can take out a brand new glove to to do a <laughs> bit of chipping. Uh, you know, first and foremost, I would say, you know, if you want to be a good, say, a chipper of the ball. So so let let's let's start with something that's a little bit shorter. Uh, anything around the green. The biggest thing is where your body is positioned, your weight, your center of gravity, your sternum. So if, if I was chipping, and I'm say I was chipping this direction, the key here is I never ever want, as I'm chipping, I never want to be going back into my right side. So I never want this. Yeah. Like if you were hitting a driver, you'd have lots of side bend here. But on a chip shot, if you're going back this way, your weight's back here, you're always going to end up hitting well behind the ball like so and you're going to get all sort you're never meant to hit the ground behind the ball anybody who tells you you should work the bounce they're wrong the bounce is only there to help you when you get it wrong you don't try and get it wrong on purpose so the key is you want to try and hit the ball cleanly and have your divot under or ahead of the ball and the way you do that is you lean in so you stay on that left hand side so you can see my divot is starting right there like so yeah. And I, pr I make sure I don't do that. No scooping back here. And that would be the same in bunkers. Don't try and help it up by going back into your right side and squeeze. Stay left. And the practice drill is very simple. Just get yourself a... I don't do it with a shaft because you could break the shaft. But you get yourself an alignment rod. Put it four or five inches behind the ball. I'm going to do it a little tighter. I'm not going to hit the ball because I'm going... To... And look, just make sure you're hitting left of that thing. If I was to back up... You'd see how I hit the stick. Okay, now that's for anything under 50 yards where you don't need power. Stay on your left, set yourself on the left hand side and just stay there all the time and make sure your divots are left to the golf ball. For a full pitch, yeah, there's a, there's, and this is where most people get a bit confused. There is a transition. So, like 50 yards, I don't need power, I can stay left. If I was hitting a driver, I've got to, even though I say centered, I've got to turn and create a little bit of pivot over here. You don't need that big movement on a pitch shot. So I would say to most people, you're, you know, you're basically, there is a try, like for 70 yards, if you don't need power, which most people won't, you know, it's okay to be a little bit on your left side. You wouldn't have your heel coming up 
and you're staying pretty sit and you're staying left. You've got to be left when you're hitting it. Okay. Mm. At, at impact, right? At impact. You just don't want to get, you never want to get this backing up motion. It's not a full golf shot. Cause as I said, a full golf shot, you would have that movement over here to the right hand side and the squat down and up you go, which would be a full shot. On a pitch, I would say to most people on a pitch, you can stay pretty left on it, but don't back up. So you're allowed to have more weight on your left leg at the top of the backswing, but you're not trying to go backwards. Stay left. And I would say to you mostly, you're thinking of a short backswing with a bigger... I know people like to hold their finish or shorten their finish, but, but a lot of bad pitchers have a long backswing. They're trying to use their body, whereas a good pitcher, for most amateurs... Concentrate on using your hands and arms. Make your body follow your hands and arms. Don't think that, I can guarantee it, standing over a, an 80-yard pitch shot, thinking to yourself that you should turn your shoulder is not going to do you any good. Standing there and just giving it a nice swish with your hands and arms, make it simpler by using your hands and arms. Don't complicate it. Don't make it, it's not a golf swing. You, uh, you don't need to think like, oh, I've got to make this turn. I've got to be connected. I've got to be this. I've got to pivot. Forget that. Most people from 80 yards, if you just sit, you know, if you have any athletic ability, just flick, flip the ball. Just give it a look. Just, that will do the yeah. job. It's not complicated. It's not a golf swing. Don't worry about having to look. Use your hands and arms, your hands as much as you can, and just give it a nice action with your hands, and you'll get pretty good at it. So I would definitely say for anybody who's struggling from 80 yards, 70 yards, or maybe even that little bit shot, the in-between shot they don't like, concentrate on using your wrists more and your arms more. Not try, most people are trying to take them out. I'd say to them, no, you add them in and make them active. And the more you make them active, the more they'll work correctly. And, you, and the body, would, look, I guarantee you, you will turn. If you try and you, you know, use your hands and arms and don't try and stop your body, your body will turn enough and your hips will turn enough. I'm not telling you to not use them. I'm just saying don't be thinking you've got to lead with your hips or arms. Or sorry, your hips or torso. Use your hands and arms and just, you know, as I said, nobody would, like, nobody would have a problem if you just said, oh, you've only got this. Just give it a, they can all do a practice thing like that. And that's more hands and arms generated using those wrists to fire in and then once you're using your wrists you can you can figure out if you want to open them up or close them down because they're active so mm. it's don't don't be concentrating on thinking that an 80 yard pitch is about getting the right amount of shoulder turn just give it a flick with your hands and just get good at it. you'll figure it out after a while once you do a little bit of practice uh, using your, your hands and arms Speaking of hands and arms, is that a big part of longer bunker shots? We amateurs get in a, lo in a long bunker shot and we're out of our element. Yeah, you know what? It, it's not a big deal to you guys. You know, it, 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 I swear to you, if, if a long bunker shot is your biggest problem in golf, you're, 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 <laughs> you're a good enough player that you're, you're way focused on something that's minutely. It's not going to improve your scoring, put it like that. But yes, if I was hitting a longer bunker shot, it's... <laughs> I might take a little less loft. I might go down to 56, 52. But it's, I actually do a little bit more lean. Ooh. That makes, but again, there's no point in leaning if you're going to do that. So if I do the lean, I just stay there. 
So I give even a little bit more lean so I get closer to the golf ball. But you do have to be brave. You cannot go forward in the back straight you, and then go backwards as most amateurs do. You've got to stay in position. So it's very much that way, never backwards. Mm. Patty, I know you said you shortened your, your warm-ups uh, here as you're in your later 40s. What do we as amateurs need to be feeling as we're going to the first tee? Like how do we want our body to feel after our warm-up session? Well, you should feel like it's not going to break when you go to hit it. You should feel like you can hit your first ball as hard as you want to. You feel, should feel like that you can hit the ball on the first the same way you're going to hit it on the fifth or the 14th or the 18th. As in, it shouldn't feel like you have to get into the round. Uh, I think physically, you know, I grew up without a... I grew up without driving range, so we'd get out of the car 10 minutes before our tee time We'd swing two clubs to get used to the weight and, and we'd go. That's not a great system. Uh, you know, as I get older, I'll do a few stretches, a few dynamic moves. One thing I found very good to mimic, and this is the hardest thing, if you haven't got a practice range, hit, and by the way, you only need to hit 15, 20 balls on the range. But if you haven't got a practice range, I think one of the things I've found very good to mimic the physicality of swinging the ball, swinging the club, is I would throw a golf ball. So if I if if like if I if I come out after a rain delay, so now when we get the rain delays on tour, we might be told you're back on the tee in ten minutes, so you don't get to go to the range. It could be that quick. Uh, so I basically would go and get a golf ball, and I put it in my right hand, and I throw it. Now I'm not I'm not this golf ball because it's bouncy here, uh, obviously in the grass, but I throw it flat out like so. I have to watch that. Uh, yeah. I have a <laughs> you don't want to break your computer. <laughs> I have a heavy ball, so I, I would do this as a as a train. This is a bit heavy. It's two, it's a two pound ball. Tom House throwing balls. These are, but you shouldn't be throwing it. So look, that's the best way of getting the velocity into my arms that I need when I swing. So I do mm. that with a golf ball. I do it right-handed. I do it two-handed, and I do it left-handed. Don't often do it in my socks, and I'm just saying I better not hit my feet doing that. <laughs> right. But that that that's a drill that you know if you were waiting minutes on a tee box, and you were you know that's a good drill that you could actually physically do. It's not a training aid to throw your golf ball on the golf course, you know, because if you took your training aid out of the bag, it would be a penalty, and yet you could feel physically warmed up. So if I was waiting on a par five, I would do that. Mm. Yeah, it's a good way to, to feel to feel aggressive still because you can obviously throw as hard as you can down. That's a drill as well. If you it's a peak count drill. If you throw it forward, I'll show you now. If you throw it forward, so it, this if you want to mimic a golf swing. So if you get a golf ball, right hand, two fingers as a right hand, and if I throw it into the ground about two two yards ahead of me to go straight, that mimics every bit of the golf swing. So it gives you the right amount of shoulder turn, hip turn, right amount of arm, right amount of wrist break, everything. So if I go, I lost my balance a bit there, but if, if, you, if you throw a golf ball like that, that's, that's so, if you're at home in the garage, I know it's not the winter anymore, and you wanted to practice, well, how much do I turn my hips? Well, if I was going to throw the ball aggressively into the ground, two yards in front of me, not here now, 
well, that's how much I turn my hips. That's how much I lift my heel. That's how much I turn my shoulders. That's the rhythm I go at. It basically mimics everything you should do in the golf swing. So if I, if I did that again, so if I was to go, I hold my wrist. If I go there, okay, if I put the club, you'll see it's exactly a golf swing. Yeah, that's how we far all you know, take it back, yeah. It's, it mimics your golf swing. What you will find in a golf swing is the backswing is shorter than you think and the follow-through should be longer than the backswing. If your racers have most, you see a lot of people and they'll go long and short. It should be short and long for the most speed and the most power. So long and short is not good. I know you see some of the long hitters, the long drive guys, they'll go very long in the backswing. But they don't go short and follow through. They still have an even longer follow through than backswing. So your follow through has to be longer than your backswing, whatever you're doing. Mm. Yes, maybe not in a pitch or, or like a, a shorter shot, but on a on a on a full on a golf shot, makes you. And it's really good for your swing to practice with a short short backswing. Even if you're going to use a long backswing, practice with a short swing. Yeah. Well, and, and also as we wrap up, wrap up here, um, you're on the, us amateurs, we're on the tee box on 18. We got a chance to break 80 for the first time in 10 years. What's the right mentality, Patty? What, what should we be thinking? First, you've got to embrace that you're there. That's the very first yeah. thing. You've got to say to yourself, isn't it great that I have this chance, <laughs> that I have this opportunity? This is where I want to be. This is me living you know, you, the people who struggle with nerves are the ones who run away from them. You know, the people who, who do well with nerves are the ones who go, it's okay to be nervous. I'm living. I'm alive. I, and, and let's face it. If you never got nervous in your life, it would be a very dull life. Yeah. Very boring. <laughs> every, every, everything you do that really means something to you, you get excited and nervous. So your first kiss you know, everybody remembers that because they were nervous. So nerves are, should be, instead of being a, taken for some people to take getting nervous as, as, a, as a failure, it should actually be the opposite. Getting nervous means, wow, I'm where, this is it. This is why I do it. So I think once you embrace it, that's a big start. And secondly, then hopefully, a routine, so you make a decision, you stick to your routine, you go through your routine and you have that general level of acceptance. You know, this is, you know, if we had a longer period, you do some visualization because, you, know, you know, if you visualize, you, you feel like you've done it. The more you've done it, the less nerves you're going to have. But you definitely have to have a level of, I, I, like, I know myself, my worst shot comes when I'm not nervous. And then in the middle of the golf swing, I get nervous. So if, if, I'm, if, if I've got an easy hole and at the top of my backswing, I go, oh, don't hit it left, I'll panic. <laughs> Bad shot. <laughs> if I've got a very difficult hole, water left and out bounds right, well, I'll stand in the tank. Oh, God, this is really tough. This is tough. Oh, God, I'm worried about this. I didn't sleep last night thinking about this. You know, I'm panicking, but then I'm narrowing. Every time I'm panicking before I get over. So if my expectation that I'm going to be nervous when I get to the top of my backswing, if my expectation I was going to be nervous, if I get nervous, well, I was expecting it. I don't panic. Whereas if my expectation was I should be able to do this 
cool as anything and I get to the top of my backswing and I get a tiny bit of nerves, well, that can blow up. So my whole idea is if I expect nerves, they don't affect me anywhere near as much as... I'm, I actually play much better with nerves when I'm expecting it. I'm terrible. And, and I've done this over, when I get overconfident and I think, you know, like my 70-second my shot at the opening in Carnoustie, yeah. when I hit that, I, I just was so confident walking onto that tee I was so confident until I got to the top of my backswing. Like, I just thought I was going to blast it down the middle. Never had I hit the ball as well as I had that day. And I got a little bit of panic at the top and magnified into a huge thing. Whereas if I got in that tee box and was swinging badly, you know, the amount of, you know, energy to go from, oh, I could do any of this, I would have brought it into this. Whereas I was like this and just ended up like that. Because, you know, so it's not... And whether I'm lying to myself or not, I believe I've played well under pressure in the past and that really helps. So when I get nervous, I go, I am actually better when I'm nervous. I sh- my focus sharpens for that very reason. I go wide to narrow when I'm nervous, whereas when, when you're confident, you can really, sometimes you can lose the plot a bit. Yeah. Great stuff. Patty, it's been great uh, chatting with you here for a bit, talking Ryder Cup, talking tips for the amateur golfer. You can follow Patty, of course, um, Patty's Golf Tips, and then he's on Twitter as well, Padraig underscore H on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, great YouTube, to talk to you, my friend. YouTube as well. Yes, YouTube. YouTube yeah, you, 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 YouTube. I, I, so I'm putting longer videos on YouTube and short ones on Instagram and on my podrickharrington.com. So everything I know is up there. And if, you're in, <laughs> if, you're, if you want to have quick tips that certainly I believe they work, uh, I might beat the same drum quite a bit all the way through my tips, but I, I do believe that the average golfer has got it totally wrong. So if you're playing off like 15 handicap and you've been playing the game a few years, you this, you've got it wrong. This game is a lot. You should, everybody should be able to pay off single figure. That's all I'm saying. Wow. It's everybody. It's not everybody. It's not a, to, to move the ball forward. You make an athletic, as, as athletic a move as you can. You, you figure out where the club face is and, you know, you have some experience of how to get around the golf course. Those three things. There's, it's nowhere near, all the teaching that's out there tends to be for the low handicap for the real niche and you know it's very important for uh, you know if you're a scratch golfer yeah it will be well yeah okay let's say scratch or under five and it will be important that you get that extra five degrees of shoulder turn or that you you lay the club down in the downswing what does that mean like to the average 14 <laughs> handicap lay the club down in the downswing what, what do I do I take it and put it on the ground you know another language so, yeah look there's very few people, and, and I, I, it, it's instinctive. I've seen this with toddlers and things. Give them a stick and ask them to hit something big. So if you, give, you picked up a stick and you were asked to hit a tree trunk, as you did when you were six years of age, I guarantee you'll make a great athletic move. And you watch kids who have never played golf, give them a stick and ask them to swing it, and they'll make the most perfectly coordinated move. Then they come to golf later on in life and they think, I've got to keep my head still. I've got, to keep, I've got to keep my head down. Those two things will destroy you. I've got mm. to stay still. I can't move. I've got to turn my shoulders. Turning my shoulders has done more damage to golfers 
like it's ridiculous what you know uh, you know and i'm not saying there are people who have limitate well if you have a limitation in your movement it would be even worse if you try and turn your shoulders you know yeah. Yeah, look, to hit the golf ball for a man to, to hit it like 240 yards in the air it only requires your hands and i'm not saying your body doesn't work but you, a, a normal person playing the game needs to have their hands and arms lead the swing whereas a top class pro will want his bigger muscles to lead the golf swing they're two different things they are not the yeah. same person and telling a uh, 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 I can say this because I'm nearly 50 years of age. Telling a 50-year-old man who sits at a desk all day to go out there and, and you know, make a shoulder turn past 90 degrees and do this, uh, that's just not going to help him. You know, if you, if you can swing it, you're pretty damn good. <laughs> that's it. Patty, great stuff, my friend. Thanks uh, for, for joining again. Thanks for your time, my friend. Okay, no problem. You're welcome, guys. How can you not love the Irishman, Potter Harrington? Love his enthusiasm. I love the tips he had for us there at the end in his studio at home. Uh, he just really gets into it. The story I was going to tell you with Podrick is I remember at the Pebble Beach AT&T Pro-Am, 2015-2016, he was out there with his fellow countryman Paul Dunn and also Shane Lowry. Of course, Lowry won the Open Championship in 2019. They were having chip-offs, okay, in the practice area at Pebble Beach, and they were playing for ice cream, okay? <laughs> who could get it closest? Who could who could beat the other two playing for ice cream? I love how he's the elder statesman. He's, he's there with the, his fellow country guys and, and keeping them focused. So I thought that was cool. Um, but, yeah, anyway, check out a ton of the video content on YouTube.com, and it's beyond the Clubhouse page. All kinds of tips from, from Padraig. And also you can see the stories of him... Uh, telling these stories about Ryder Cup and so many things uh, from his past. Hope you enjoyed it this week, and we'll catch up soon again on Beyond the Clubhouse.